0: It's hard to be selfless in a world looking out for number one, but Pastor Ray Bentley says that's the Lord's plan.
1: Where does selflessness really then come from? Selflessness comes from the security of knowing that I am the beloved of my Savior Jesus Christ. If He loves me, I don't need to step on you to puff myself up.
0: Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. As believers, we're all called to be like Christ, to put on the mind of Christ. Imagine if the tables were turned and he was putting on our mind. Selflessness would probably give way to selfishness and the entire plan of salvation would come to a halt. Today, we'll get our priorities straightened out.
1: Well, if you have your Bibles, let's open them to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, and the title of the message is Tender Mercies and Steel Commitment. We are walking with Jesus now, and He is discipling us as we walk through the Gospel of Luke, mentoring us, discipling us. And there are two things, basically I guess the two points that we want to look at that He teaches His disciples, and we'll see how He taught them. But the two principles that if we're going to walk with Jesus, and by the way, we're walking with Jesus now on the final road and the final time to Jerusalem, to fulfill the prophecies. And the two lessons he teaches us as disciples is that in order to walk with the Lord on the road to Jerusalem, you must be merciful. You must have tremendous, deep, tender mercy. For one another, beginning with disciples, beginning with other believers, your brothers and sisters in Christ, in the family of God, be merciful. The heart of God is a heart of mercy. How many of you are glad for that? <laughs> we think often, you know, of God, he's, he's upset, He's angry. People have this idea that He can't wait to judge people. And in reality, He is a dad. He is a father. He made us, created us in his image after his likeness. He wants a relationship. He is intense about it. He is deeply passionate about it. That's what you find as you read the Bible. It's a love story. And so the Lord is gonna be teaching us about the importance of mercy, especially as we get toward the end of the life of Christ where he dies and is buried and ascends. But I believe it's also an important message for us as we, I believe, are approaching the second coming of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we see things in this world that we don't agree with or that we don't like, and we may be prone to want God to show him, Lord, and judge them. And, and the Father is saying, be merciful, my heart is merciful. And uh, it, when, once you've been walking with the Lord for a while and you've experienced his fellowship and miracles and the flow of his spirit, and then... Uh, You forget that one time you needed God to be merciful when you didn't know what you were doing and your theology was wrong, your lifestyle was wrong, and boy, it's a good thing that our Father was merciful then. And we need to extend that mercy to others. And then lastly, he's going to talk about a steel commitment. And it is his vision for the whole body of Christ. It's called the great commandment. He wants you to love him... with all your heart... with all your soul... with all of your mind and with all of your strength. He wants you to love him... more than you love your husband... more than you love your wife... more than you love your son... more than you love your daughter... more than you love your mom or your dad. And, in fact... he wants... To be so first place, it's not like, okay, God's number one, my family's number two, you know, and so forth. I'm just telling you what it says. He wants you to love him so much that by comparison, any other kind of love is like hatred almost. No, it's not really. But what I'm saying is there is to be a separation that he is first. He is foremost, that you give up anything and everything for Him, because your family means nothing if you don't have your heavenly Daddy and a right relationship with Him. The family, marriage, kids, brothers and sisters, mom and dad, only makes sense if we are right with the one who made us and created us in the first place. So tender mercies, steel commitment, and I believe this is a word from the Lord for the body of Christ in this very hour as we are drawing near to the second coming of Jesus Christ. All right, the need for love. Let's begin with verse uh, 46. We've already had the disciples have had their, their graduation class uh, where they were taken to the mountain and knew who Jesus was, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus has been transfigured. And so now making their way down the mountain, we saw the contest at the bottom of the mountain and, and faith and so forth. So now beginning in verse 46. Then, so imagine the disciples are now walking away from that experience of the transfiguration. Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them, the disciples, would be the greatest. Can you imagine? You're following Jesus. They've been with him now probably approaching three years and they're debating and arguing, okay, who is the greatest in this kingdom of the Messiah? We know he's the king. They are, by the way, expecting him to go in and ascend to the throne, establish the kingdom. They're gonna have cabinet positions of very high prominence. And these guys have had a pretty heady experience. They have had demons Scream and know them because they have come in the name and the power and the authority of Jesus, the Messiah. They have seen the demonic world and the supernatural world acknowledge their authority in Christ. They have laid their hands on people and felt the burning touch of the Holy Spirit as they became the agents through which the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, touched people and healed them and cleanse people of illness and disease and leprosy and lameness and so forth and then they have seen at least three of them Christ transfigured, glorified up on the mountain so now they're walking down the road feeling pretty good about themselves and they know that the kingdom's coming and they know that Jesus will be the king and who can stop him He tells the wind what to do, and he walks on water. He raises the dead. The demons acknowledge him. What is Rome to him and the Romans? They do not yet grasp, right? The prophecy is about the betrayal, the rejection, and the cross, let alone the resurrection. They're focused on the kingdom. So they're arguing about who's the greatest. And if they had truly loved one another this is what's important, then they would not be arguing about who is the greatest. And so here's a lesson the Lord teaches them and that the Lord teaches us. In the kingdom, love is about lifting up others and preferring others above yourself. It is not about me. You know, we live in a world and in a culture, even our American culture, with, you know, the transposed kind of Judeo-Christian ethic over it, there's still this American culture that is about self-actualization and self-fulfillment and, you know, I want to be all I can be. And there's a selfishness in the midst of all that. Selfishness is the very opposite of love. (laughs) Okay, they're on the road thinking about we've cast out demons, The power and the anointing of God is upon us. We have felt the burning touch of healing power through our hands. And now we're on our way to Jerusalem. And Jesus, what is Jesus thinking of? Isaiah 53. He's thinking of his betrayal that's coming. The rejection at hand. The crucifixion. He's thinking about selflessly laying down his life. That's true love. Almost every sinful action every one commits can be traced back to selfishness and uh, selfishness is something that we despise in other people but amazingly we can be a little bit tolerant for ourselves well i'm a little bit selfish but you know not that bad and the reason that we get ourselves off is we compare ourselves to other people And by comparing ourselves, you can always immediately think of people that, he's way more selfish than I am. I'm not that bad. And so by comparison, it's not good to compare ourselves one with another. The real comparison is not you and another, you know, your friend that you maybe are a little less selfish than. The comparison is you and I and Jesus Christ who was crucified for us. That is love. That is selflessness. Selflessness. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us love does not seek its own and therefore true love is not satisfied except in the welfare of others. So where does selflessness really then come from? Selflessness comes from the security of knowing that I am the beloved of my Savior Jesus Christ. If He loves me and He accepts me, and he wants a relationship with me, I don't need to step on you to puff myself up. And in fact, I can find my total rest in his love. In fact, I can make the decision that every other human being that I will ever meet, I can give the place of honor before me. Because I have everything that I need in Jesus Christ. So true love finds rest in the love of the Lord and that He satisfies. And therefore love finds its greatest joy in raising others up without any need to raise up oneself.
0: Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. So many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teachings on Maranatha Radio have meant to them. Pastor Ray was such a devoted servant of the Most High God and is now in the presence of his best friend and Savior, Jesus Christ. He ran the race and finished the course set before him. My love to the Bentley family and to Maranatha Ministries. Pastor Ray's teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website, www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley.
1: So often, you know, this is a question that I had when I was a young Christian. What is God's will for my life? What does He want me to do? What are my gifts? What is my calling? And it was all pretty much wrapped up in me. And you discover as God does touch you and as he does gift you and as he does call you that that it's not about you finding your place in the sun as it were. But the real prophets and the real pastors and the real shepherds and the real godly men and women are those who are satisfied in a deep, personal, intimate relationship with the Lord and then once they come under the fire and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, their mission is to raise others up. Starting within your own family. How can I bless those who are in my immediate circle? How can I bless them? How can I lift them up? How can I help them discover God's plan for them? God's purpose for them? The gifts that I see in them? How can I encourage them? How can I exhort them? How can I lift them up? And so there, you know, this is what the Lord definitely desires in all of us. And there is nothing to be envious of, listen, for eventually all of us will ascend the mountain. All the rest of those guys were going to see the glorified Christ. It was just a matter of time. We're all going to see the Lord. We're all going to know him. We're all going to be brought up, as it were, to the top of the mountain. And so here's Christ's response. The the dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest and Jesus perceiving the thought of their heart took a little child and set him by him and said to them, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. Jesus put himself on the level, not of a powerful king, great leader, shepherd, monarch, politician, whatever, he puts himself on the level, if you receive a little child, then you have received me. He puts himself down in that sense, humbles himself on the level of a little child. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. So now he not only humbles himself to the level of a child, he brings his father down to the lowest level as well. Whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. That's the father. For he who is least among you will be great. Now, verse 49 and 50. If that was a call by Jesus in verses 46, 47, 48, hey, you guys need to love one another. Knock off this selfishness. Now he begins to say and call them to love those outside the group of the disciples. Verse 49, now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. Here the disciples show a lack of love for those who are outside the group. And in fact, I wonder if John wasn't expecting the Lord to be kind of impressed with him. Hey, I'm trying to defend the Lord. I'm trying to protect the Lord. They aren't walking with Jesus and they haven't been commissioned by Jesus and they have no business doing this in Jesus' name. And I'm loyal to you, Jesus, and I'm gonna be passionate and protect your name. And I think John was expecting Jesus to be impressed. Guess what? Jesus was not impressed. And in fact, what he basically says to John is, John, I don't need you to protect me. (laughs) And here is a great lesson. If we think our group is the only group that's with it, that has it all together, we're the only ones really being used of the Lord, we're gonna be in for a shock when we get to heaven. And the root of this, again, is the sin of pride. They considered, listen to this, exorcism as their exclusive ministry. Only we 12 on the planet Earth can exercise demons in the name of Jesus. Well, that's not only prideful in its being exclusive, but there's a lot more people on the planet that need help. Amen? The Lord is saying, I need and will take and receive those who do in my name all the help that I can get. Envy. We need not be envious. Uh, There's one of our church... Fathers from an earlier time that wrote this, As far as envy is concerned, many experience displeasure when they see others in possession of their spiritual gifts. They feel sensibly hurt because others surpass them on this road. Now I want to share with you something. God loves you. God has a plan for you. God has, has called you and gifted you and anointed you for a particular ministry and place within the body of Christ. But a big part of our calling is to raise up others even above ourselves. And in fact, those who are willing tonight and you really truly desire to serve the Lord the most and be the most fruitful and have the most fruit that remains and be the most successful in ministry should make it your aim That others who follow you would be more fruitful and more successful than you. And in fact, I would say that God has arranged all of our lives in such a way that at some point, surely, someone will follow you who is better or more talented or more gifted or more able or more fruitful or just more and more. And when you reach that rather than jealousy and rather than envy and rather than whatever you say yes because that's the final test is not how much god can do through me but it's how much you know those after me can do more than me that's the final test to truly win is to recognize that test and rejoice in others success and fruitfulness and in fact The prime example is none other than Jesus Christ himself. John chapter 14 verse 12 is in your notes. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Wow! Jesus is the incarnation of God. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh, and yet he is selling his disciples. I am telling you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing, and he will do even greater things than these. And that doesn't make Jesus less than God, less than Messiah, less than King of kings and Lord of lords, but it shows not only his humility, but his character and an example of what true ministry is all about. You're going to do even greater things. Now, let me give you one analogy. Jesus barely, he maybe was in Israel, and he maybe traveled to the southern part of Lebanon, up near Tyre and Sidon, the Phoenician woman that was up there but he didn't really go beyond pretty much Israel and maybe a little bit in southern Lebanon. Paul the apostle did what Jesus did in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and then Paul did more than Jesus did because he got into a ship and he went all around the Mediterranean to the entire world of Europe sharing the gospel. He did greater things in the sense that he traveled farther, more countries, saw more people from more nations, which was the heart of the Father, and so also now we do things today that succeed and and go beyond what Paul did. Through radio, through television, through other means that you can reach even more people than he did. That's the point, that's the goal. When Joshua ran to Moses, Joshua had been a young boy at Moses' side and grew up with him and was his right hand man and in fact his successor. And he ran up because there were some elders, in fact their names are given, Eldad and Medad, and they were prophesying, thus saith the Lord. And Joshua's like, no, only God can only speak through Moses. And he ran up to Moses and this, probably revealing that Moses passed the test. Because this is what Moses said in Numbers chapter 11 verse 29, but Moses replied to Joshua, his young protege, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. The beautiful thing is that that you get to the point where you go, I don't wanna be just the leader with everybody looking to me. I want everybody to be the leader. And in fact, I I believe that what God was saying was he he doesn't just wanna raise up a Joshua, he wants now to raise up hundreds of Joshuas and thousands of Joshuas. Moses was multiplied through Joshua. And it was necessary in order to really go in and inherit and take possession of the promised land. God wants to raise us all up. We're all sons of God and we're all daughters of God and we're all gonna have responsibilities of various degrees and we're all gonna be ruling and reigning with Christ forever and ever. Don't be jealous. In fact, you are getting more spiritual, if I might say, by doing less and being multiplied through others.
0: Pastor Ray Bentley with good insight about the Lord's plan for proper conduct and attitude. And he'll have more from this study next time here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, Tender Mercies and Steel Commitment. If you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word Media, and you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo, three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll also find Pastor Ray's books there at raybentley.com. His new book, The Final Witness, is an engaging prophetic fiction novel, part of the Elijah Chronicles series. It's riveting and educational at the same time. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world.